Universe Anime, podcast of the Galactic Heroes. Hello, everyone. With me, as usual, is Kuvo and Geop. Hello. Hello. Ah. Yeah. If Geop sounds a little echoey, he's just, uh, he had to move to a different room. So uh, I'm going to do my best, but. I am you know, in my uh, study. He's in his study. <laughs> do a robot voice, auto tune. Because today we watched episodes 100 to 104, and they were some smart episodes, so we need Geop in his study. We need full, full brain Geop right now to help us out. Do you have the turtleneck on? No, but I am (laughs) drinking some caffeine. Uh, Good, good, good. So uh, episode 100 starts out, Reinhardt has publicly announced he is marrying. Um, There's a big party, of course, and uh, everybody there. He stands up in front of everybody and says, attention, all of you assholes, I finally did the fuck, and now I have to get married. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a note there, they have the worst looking shrimp plate. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Yeah, yeah, it had the, I think it's just as soon as something's like crescent shaped and a food, they have a lot of trouble like keeping it consistently <laughs> like sized. A roll is basically colored. two crescents meeting, so yeah. And that. the shrimp are just like the shrimp are just like meat, but mm-hmm. roll they're like tiny meat rolls. Crescent, crescents yeah. of meat. <laughs> Gross. All right, moving on. <laughs> so uh, no one has objected to the marriage. Everybody's like, yeah, this should have happened a while ago. Um, Barendorf Sr. has offered to retire to Reinhardt because he's old and all that, but uh, he can't do it. Reinhardt says you got to get a replacement first before you go because your position, whatever it was, I think Secretary of State was important, so you need someone there. Yeah. Um, uh, I do like there was one note uh, when they were announcing the marriage. They were like, yeah, no, it went over super well, less because of Reinhardt or because of Hilda and more because Hilda's dad, Marendorf Sr., is just like a fucking cool guy. And so everyone was really happy for him. They're just like, yeah, man, that guy works his ass off. Super nice dude. Chill as fuck. Yeah, great. Good for him. And uh, so I just really like that, that. Hilda's dad is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think they made a note, like, if Hilda turns out in her public space, I mean, everybody knows she's smart and everything, but if she turns out like her father, it would be great for everyone, so. Yeah. Um, like, it, I just love that there's one character, at least, off screen, who's just always doing good shit. <laughs> like, the opposite of Lang, or Rubinsky, or, while he was still with us, that fucking goblin Trunit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we get a couple of different scenes, one of which is Merendorf's uh, servants doing wedding preparation. They're doing reminiscent of when Hildegard was just a child and she grows up so fast and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. Another scene is Mittenmeyer coming home to the fact that he now has a crying child to deal with. Like, he comes in the door, the child is crying, he looks at it, and, like, doesn't know what the fuck and leaves he it there right along with his wife. Thing, <laughs> yeah, he just walks like, right on wow. past. <laughs> My wife sure has a crying baby. Well... <laughs> Um, he later on asks his wife, uh, Eva, if um, he would make a good politician. Uh, she says she, he's an honorable man, which really doesn't mean anything in the terms of politics. But uh, he gets a flashback <laughs> to his, one of his underlings saying that uh, Marendorf Sr. is retiring and wants him to replace. So, like, he knows that he is being eyed up for the position. Um, mm-hmm. Which he, he tells his, Marendorf uh, Sr. did say that that was a joke, but it seems he was pretty serious about it. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, what his original intentions was, but I think Meyer thinks that he's being lined up for it. So he says, he tells his wife that he wants to stay as far away from politics as possible, but it doesn't look like that's going to be happening. Um, so after the announcement for Hilda becoming Reinhardt's wife and thus the Empress, the Ministry of the Household and Ministry of Legal Affairs had a whole bunch of meetings wondering if the Empress was an honorary position or a legal one. Um, and the thing is, like, they were, it, it was, like, actually kind of interesting the way they put it. They're like, yeah, we realized, like, oh, yeah, we get to just, like, make our own laws so we don't have to be misogynist about it. We can actually just make that, like, a legitimate succession point, which it still is succession by blood, which is pretty whack. But at the very least, it, it was nice they looked into it. But then they were talking about, you know, like, oh, what if, you know, three emperors from now he gets, you know seduced by someone who has only interest in taking the state down or something like that you know like it was a 
yeah, big debate. They know that, that she's honestly, real smart and all that, and that she will do a good job. But in the future, is that the same thing? That's the concern. Yeah, they're like, this is a legal precedent that then goes forever. Um, and I mean, the whole answer to this whole thing is this is why democracy is actually pretty pretty cool. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. The narrator was throwing yeah. shade, saying that any Republican would think that the whole thing is dumb, that blood lineages are stupid, and that autocrats are you know at the mercy of their leaders and all that. But exactly, like the solution to this is literally democracy. <laughs> like that's literally what democracy is. Is a the actual. Uh, you know, just the, the actual, yeah, you know what I'm getting. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, we get a cut of everybody prepping for the wedding. Anna Rose comes from Fazan to attend her brother's wedding. Uh, she has her own place to stay at. And when she gets there, Hildegard's there to meet her. Um, we get a flashback to the meeting for the first time. Um, when Hildegard knows that she is pregnant, but Anna Rose does not. But Anna Rose guesses it because I guess she's smart about that. Um, she wishes Hildegard happiness and everything. Reinhardt mm-hmm. comes into the room back in the present. Uh, Hildegard is just kind of lets them do their thing because he knows that there's still some uneasiness between them regarding their past. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, we get a scene of Reinhardt coming to talk to Hildegard, and he says that he's going to stop addressing her by uh, Freudlein Merendorf and everything and start addressing him by, you know, Hildegard and all that. And Hilda yeah, immediately realizes to call her Miss Marendorf when it is his wife. And then the narrator <laughs> like steps enough. in and says, "This is cute and all, but they don't keep doing this." <laughs> yeah, they don't succeed at this. They immediately start fucking it up and calling each other Kaiser and Kaiserina. Kaiser. Yeah. What do you think, wife? I don't know, husband. Yeah, they're real bad at this, which is, I think, I think good. I'm glad their character is consistent. That. They're real good at politics and war. Man, they suck shit at this. <laughs> they are so bad yeah, at being regular Yeah, they're very bad. People. I mean, it's the same thing that Yang had trouble with. Like, he's bad at being a normal mm. person. Yeah. The main uh, focus of this episode, though, was the wedding ceremony. So they have a wedding at Hotel Shangri-La, apparently. That was the only venue that they could book. And Hotel <laughs> Shangri-La has the world's biggest door. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but this door was seriously at least 150 feet tall and about 30 <laughs> to 40 feet wide. Um, they walk down the aisle. Everybody's looking real great. Uh, they stop and talk to... It's weird because both Hildegard and Reinhardt walk down the aisle themselves. Normally, like, the bride is escorted by the her uh, father? Maybe it's an emperor thing. Yeah, I Who guess. Knows? Anyway, they, they stop at Marendorf Sr. marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Hildegard says that she's happy. She calls for father, says thanks. Uh, Reinhardt says that, like, oh, yeah, you're my father in law now. And he's like, nope, you're still going to be the Kaiser to me. Yeah, he's like, you are still the king, so you can just go ahead and not call me daddy. Like, I feel, that's what I like to choose to think is that, like, it was a localization thing and it was Reinhardt being, like, super awkward and it was just the localization team smoothing it out, but it actually was Reinhardt being like, I'm going to call you daddy. And he's like, fuck, fuck, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you are not. Because, like, Marindor senior seems like the only cool guy <laughs> so he would be the one to be like nope <laughs> absolutely not you you can call me secretary of state ex-secretary of state sure whatever fuck this man <laughs> so um they have the vows the mc or priest or whoever the guy is uh, is like the chief minister and he's super nervous the entire time but reinhardt makes him relax by saying he's not the one getting married and everybody stood up and laughed um, mm-hmm. Bittenfield thinks it's a pep rally, so starts ch- chanting Mike Kaiser. Uh, <laughs> Bittenfield is such a dink in all of these episodes. Yeah, I've never Shit. seen anyone chant at a wedding, but you know, uh, <laughs> Mitten, uh, Mittenmeyer and Eva got the. Is bring- this war? Is this where the bride and groom get into a fight to see who becomes the the more powerful in the relationship? Does everybody what? have to? Does everybody have to holler kiss or something? I don't. I don't know. Oh no! Is- <laughs> Is this like an opera again? Have I been tricked into opera for a second time? What did I learn last time? Shit. <laughs> Mittenmeyer and Eva got to bring their kettle on, and so Mitten's looking down at his kid, and like his face, the kid's face turns into Rutan's face. It was <laughs> yeah, like, like they overlay it, but it's like not even close to lining <laughs> up because Rutenthal's face is way too fucking long. <laughs> Uh, we get a shot of Bittenfield thinking Ryan, or he says to like Mueller that Ryan's looking really, really good. He's like, I love the suit, man. It looks fantastic. 
Uh, we get a shot of Oberstein getting a note uh, from someone, and he does not look very happy about the note. He never um, looks happy. No, well, he looks more unhappy in that sort of same face <laughs> that he always has, but... Uh, they are walking down the aisle after their vows. Uh, Oberstein walks into the middle of the aisle, reports that anti-government riots have broken out in Heinesen and that the uh, that they you know that's something that Reinhardt needs to know. All of the other admirals get instantly mad, saying, "Why did you wreck this moment?" Yeah, yeah like to clarify, to make sure this is perfectly clear, literally Hilda and Rhine have just said their vows and are walking back down the aisle to leave, like the thing they do to go, you know, celebrate and get ready for the festivities and all that. Uh, and literally Oberstein just like walks out into the middle of the aisle and is like, <clears throat> excuse me, sir, there is a issue on, on board. And everyone's like, what the fuck, dude? And this is like probably the first of many of my favorite Oberstein moments that we see in these next couple episodes, like... This really is him just saying that no, the state is the most important thing to me yeah, above the, all else. The like the state really, is all I care about. The thing that I really <laughs> like in this scene that kind of drives this mentality home is you consider the distance and how much delay there would be in them handling whatever problem that comes up on Heineson. You're talking about like maybe a two week trek or something like that. And this is something that pretty much he's not going to wait a few hours or overnight for. He's kind of like, oh, got to act on this right now. It's my job. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so everyone gives him shit for saying this. He gives no fox said that pompous events can wait, misfortunes can't, especially when they concern the security of the nation. Again, um, like, he just cares about, yeah, the state and the nation more than literally anything, including Reinhardt's, like, pride and happiness and his own <laughs> happiness. Like, he just doesn't fucking care. It's kind of incredible, yeah. So uh, Myra sees where this is going, steps in, says that uh, he'll take care of it. Enjoy your honeymoon, boss. You've deserved it. Um Hildegard did not say, and the narrator notes that she didn't say anything because she wants to avoid the image of meddling in his decisions, like she doesn't want to undermine him or whatever. Yeah, since a lot of the faith of the people is based on Reinhardt's, like, image right now, it doesn't want to seem like someone came in and is, yeah, now, like... She just married him and is taking over, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so, um, like, a recurring thing that happens in the rest of these episodes through this is usually he'll want he'll he'll want her to weigh in on things but sort of thing where she can't really chime in until you know they're alone they're alone basically yeah mm-hmm. uh the last part of this episode is a cut to a bunch of earth church dudes they're yelling at deviller saying like we haven't seen the grand bishop in a while where is he we think he may be dead or something um the villar says they're falling for stupid rumors that reinhardt is the problem that they need to be focusing on because he is a kid and a kid coming on all that uh, we do actually see that the Grand Bishop shows up, um, tells them to chill for a bit, and uh, De Villar calls them all idiots. Yeah, this it's... was uh, something I um, realized I had something kind of backwards on. So De Villar is not the super-earth no, pope. There yeah, is he's a super-earth pope. pope above him. Yeah, he just is kind of the mouthpiece yeah, right now. We haven't and seen like... the super-earth pope. And as viewers, the we kind of know he's person. pulling the strings anyway. Exactly, yeah. Um. Episode 101 starts out with Heinesen having some food and resource shortages. Um, the narrator notes that Rutenthal took some of that when he went and did his rebellion, but most of it is because someone's been interfering with distribution systems or something. Uh, yeah. Wallen has been trying to put down riots and been giving away some of the military stockpiles to the civilians, but of course the riots still continue. Like, yeah, because the, the main distribution channels are still fucked up. Like, he's doing his best to keep people pacified because this isn't like they don't want a war on highness they have it now (laughs) they have it actually and they just like to keep the peace something that keeps happening here with wallen is he's um he's not bad at his job he was just literally given a very bad uh setup and scenario so most of these episodes are him kind of managing and making do yeah he walked in right after root and did all of his bullshit and had to deal with all that this isn't like um whatever the first guy was who took over for on Heineson Yang and everything. Yeah. It's not like that. This guy is just literally, well, doing what I can. Yeah. This guy is competent. It's just, he was put into the middle of a burning forest with a single fire extinguisher and told like, can you handle this? <laughs> and so he, yeah, he, he's trying. <laughs> it also comes out that uh, during all these rides, someone has deleted all of the map star charts on Fazan's navigation computers which seems like something you would have multiple offsite backups of. And it turns out that uh, the only reason they had backups is because Oberstein decided that that was a good idea to have those. Oberstein's yeah, like, like he, you haven't backed this up? No, why? Oh, Jesus Christ. It's on a single like, hard drive that's been in there for the last 15 years. 
<laughs> yeah, and the best thing is, like, they mention that to back this up, it was, like, actually a really big undertaking because apparently this navigational data is huge. Uh, because, yeah, Oberstein, like, they, they mentioned he had to, like, delete a bunch of other files that he just deemed not important enough compared to, like, the navigational data. So, like, he probably blew up a bunch of old records because, it was again, ends justify the memes. Like, we need that navigational data backed up, dog. Like, I'm How many what petabytes to to of porn did you have on this thing? Oh, my God. It's just Bittenfield's MP3s. Yeah. <laughs> it's just uh it's just breaking the law, but like five thousand copies of it. <laughs> so um Kessler being MP head leads an investigation to the map deletion thing. He thinks it's an inside job because those are the only sorts of people that can, you know, have information of how to do that. Uh they end up capturing some guy and he confesses. Lo and behold, it's Rubinsky who knew. Um so Kessler sits down all the admirals they have since uh, Reinhardt is still on his honeymoon and asks what they should do with regards to Rubinsky. Uh, Mecklinger says that they should probably release Yang, Lang sorry, and get him to investigate since he hates Rubinsky and is vindictive and knows how to do all this. On yeah, him. like now that he knows Rubinsky has pulled one over on him, he's apparently mad as shit. Uh, but yeah, then the head of the police actually chimes in and he's just like, Dog, we can't just let a, another criminal go to, like, go get another guy. Like, he's still a criminal. We can't let him off because they, of that. Apparently, man. they you don't know, know what plea bargains are. Or cooperation yeah. bargains, yeah. Yeah, which you could go for, yeah. Also, I don't know how useful Lang would be since last time we saw him, he was just a gibbering mess. He <laughs> laughed for an hour. <laughs> Literally laughed true. for an hour after he heard someone died. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe not the best cooperation. <laughs> Fuck. So, um, Kessler says that Rubinsky's probably in cahoots with the terrorist. Uh, the narrator notes that Oberstein was the one who thought of this first, but didn't say anything, and he didn't do this because of self-interest or trying to scheme, but he's just super secretive and trusts no one, not even himself. Also, yeah, exactly, yeah, and they mention, like, also he doesn't think super highly of himself. Like, he doesn't have the same amount of confidence like Ryan does, so he's not willing to just say shit. Yep. Uh, Bittenfield wants to attack Islehorn because he always wants to attack Islehorn. He says their presence instills hope on people of Heinesen. Um, Mueller says it has nothing to do with the terrorists. Can you stay on topic? Uh, Mecklinger kind of backs him up and says some poetry bullshit like he's the sun around which the flowers revolve their heads or something. Uh, Bittenfield just really wants to attack Islehorn. And he wants to know if Reinhardt thinks they should coexist with Islehorn and crush them. Mittmeyer says he has no idea what Reinhardt feels, but he thinks that there's some special sentiment towards him with regards yeah, to, like, the Yang's successors, yeah. Again, yeah, they're being, like, the only... Representative of the only people who have, built, like, beaten him in war. So, he kind of takes him real seriously, yeah. They note that the Galactic Empire territory has expanded, but if they can't control it, then it's kind of meaningless and everything. Um, but they also really don't mm -hmm. want Ryan to do any more work because of his health and the fact that he just got married and all that. So they really just decide to do nothing. It's a great meeting. Yeah. I mean, at the very <laughs> least, it does. It explains why they're doing nothing, which is kind of important. Like, I think, like, pu putting off action. Like, this this show is actually complex and well-written and intricate enough that someone being inactive is actually kind of, like, prudent information, which is wild, honestly. Uh, we uh, cut over to Julian. Uh, he's on his park bench thinking about uh, that the riots on Heineson are kind of bad if Islehorn does nothing and sits around. Um, he also comes up with some ideas that, like, the Galactic Empire's army is more of a pri private army for Reinhardt than a national one because they do everything for him. Uh, some other stuff. Popolon's doing his teacher thing. Um, Kataros decides... Uh, Kataros is with some other female pilots... Um, they say they want to go dancing, like at a party or something, and they start teasing. Yeah, they're her. like, "We're gonna go dance with boys," and then yeah, and then cat like they, they're like, "Oh, we why are we even inviting you? You only want to dance with Julian," and she gets all blushy about it, and it's yeah, it's funny because she immediately denies, it, like, "I don't like Julian," and the next scene is her talking to Julian. <laughs> yeah, it's like I guess she's supposed to be seventeen. Yeah, so no, I that makes still sense. see these reactions. Yeah, like it's like. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, it's weird because her attitude when it's military time is written much more like a 35-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I she is a veteran ace, edge. so... Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think that is the Shen cop way. <laughs> the possibility of taking a life just really sets her straight. 
<laughs> uh, so she goes and talks to Julian. Narrator notes that she has a way of making Julian think differently, which is good for his problem-solving problems. Uh, we got a scene of Kazern saying that there's a large difference in size between uh, the Izzelhorn and Galactic Empire. Uh, but since the old FPA territories hate the Galactic Empire, if they could somehow you know, liberate them, it would balance it out. And he wants to take advantage of the riots. He says that hungry people don't like their government, no matter how benevolent it is. Julian wonders why Fazant really didn't do much to the economics behind the scenes. Like, we know, I don't really get what he was going on with this. So we know that Fazan pulled these strings behind uh, the FPA having problems like earlier in the series in terms of economic stuff. But he was mm-hmm. talking about them, why Fazant wasn't pulling the strings like to try to prevent the Galactic Empire from taking all over all of the FPA territory during Operation Ragnarok. Because he figured that if the Operation Ragnarok were to fizzle out, then Fazant would stay sovereign since there would be no conquering of the galaxy. Yeah, I don't know where he was going with this because it has really nothing to pertain to the problems that Heineson is currently going through. Yeah, it just it was kind of hmm. it might have just been like trying to figure out why Fazan wouldn't try to protect itself because that is kind of what happened, right? Like they just kind of let him roll over. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Bogdashu is saying that people from Heineson have openly asked for aid from Izzelhorn. But there is still distrust on Highness and regarding Izzelhorn's government due to letting Mecklinger through. So, like, the Highness and civilians are kind of mixed on what they think. Some want them to help, some don't, because they think they've already been sold out. Yeah, like, they just let the Galactic Empire come through during Rutenthal's, you know, rebellion. And they don't, you know, civilian people are bad at discerning deep layers of intrigue and... We can't fight them now. They would literally just blow us up. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a struggle that Julian was having problems with in this episode. Because, like, he thinks that, obviously, military power exists to use for political purposes. But, you know, should he use it if they're going to go to war and this war will prevent them from ever being able to reconcile with the Galactic Empire of the future? It's kind of like a break. It's like burning a bridge, really. So, Julian decides to fight for democracy. It's better to try and fail, obviously, than to never do it at all. Um, he thinks mm-hmm. that Reinhardt appreciates shows of ideals like this and that it would help in negotiations if they do. So um, we cut over to Whalen sitting around Heineson with a bunch of problems, gets another problem that uh, the fact that Izzelhorn is up the shit and knows that his forces alone can't deal with it. So he would have to ask the help from help from the mainland and report these findings to Rhine. Uh, so everybody's uh, starting to go back to Izzelhorn now. There's going to be a fight in the upcoming episode. Mm-hmm. Which we are already there. Oh, they point out that this is going to be the first major battle where Julian is. Yeah, I should have noted that. Leading. Yeah, they, they make a mention of that real quick. So, um, yeah. So they they mention that the, uh, like, Wallen gets the news and he asks uh, what, you know, he's like, oh, God, are they are they rushing over to Heineson to try and, you know, like get Heineson back and the guy's like no and he's like oh okay well then where are they going and then he just kind of laughs to himself he's like oh right only two doors <laughs> he's like, oh yeah they actually can only go two places so I didn't need to ask sorry about that like it was like a really weird character moment yeah so Wallen knows that even if they're going towards the old empire side of the galaxy they still have to uh do something so he sends a fleet out to kind of at least shut down the corridor from the Heineson side to trap them I guess um, we get some Julian second-guessing himself, but uh, they meet with whoever the commander is of the fleet on the Emperor side of the galaxy, and there's some space battles. We'll just gloss over that. Uh, Popolon gets his 250th kill. So he is a 20... He's a 500th time ace? He's at least, like... <laughs> He's at least four American snipers. (laughs) (laughs) He's way way more lovable, though. The narrator notes that he, like, if, like, he is making dog fighting history, being alive for this long and killing this many dudes. It's like, okay. Yeah, they kind of talk about, yeah, they're like, like, Popolon's unit is actually maybe the best fighter pilots in history. Like, it's just like, yeah, like, this battle, um, I'll I'll mention it, but they explain, especially during, like, the fighter pilot stuff, that they were going, like, easily 12 to 1. 
like on losses. Yeah. So they every single one of them was taking out twelve for every one loss, basically. Yeah. It was and the wild. thing is is most of the fighter pilots by this point are youngsters or new blood. So these are all people who are doing what he's taught them. So it's sort of like that's how good he is at making new textbook material, I guess you could say. You think he walks around yeah, with like a hat that says Top Gun on it? Probably. Yeah, both <laughs> both as a teacher and a fighter pilot, he is exceptional, I think is kind of the idea. Yeah. Uh, so there's some stupid fleet maneuvers. They eventually get the guy uh, who is on the Galactic Empire side to chase them back into Thor's hammer range. And I wasn't really clear on how it was. Uh, maybe I missed the brilliance of the whole plan or something, but it seemed like a pretty basic bait them into the range of the It was literally just baiting repeatedly. Yeah, it was yeah that was literally it. Yeah, it sort of like that's not very impressive from the viewer's standpoint, but well, whatever. No, it wasn't fun to watch. Yeah, it was easily <laughs> the worst part of the episode. They're trying to pull us in literally... range. Well, we'll just chase after him. Okay. Yeah, Shit, so we're in like, range. Yeah, oh, we'll no. chase after him, but not quite. And then he was like, okay, well, then just back up a little bit. And he's like, oh, no, they're backing up. And he's like, well, we can't let him run and chase him. And then he's like, oh, no, they're shooting back as soon as we slow down because we're getting too close to the hammer. Well, now we got to go in. And then it's like oh, well, they'll be too close to the laser beam, so they can't fire it, and then they're just not. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. end. It's like, like I, I what? get what they were saying, but it wasn't very impressive or whatever. You know, it, it, you, it was you not sitting interesting. You were like, wow, that was cool. It's just yeah. like, well, I guess it happened. Yeah. yeah so. they, they do, the other half of the battle is a little more interesting and in when they're analyzing it later, but that's something for the next episode, I think. Yeah, Whalen tries to get in and go in to actually attack Izzelhorn itself, like land his ships on there, but it turns out Murkatz was hiding and blows them all up, and he gets shot by Thor's hammer a couple times. So a lot of people die graphically. They bring out those old clips of like people on fire and their guts going out and all that. For the record, I really liked this because of... <laughs> It legit was like Shen Cop telling them to fire the laser, and then I think the like producers were like, "Oh shit, war looked too cool. Quick, bring out the dead bodies." <laughs> like it was Shen Cop doing a real cool thing. Oh man. Oh wait, the kids I, might think that's. Too I read dope. that more as a morality moment because corpses. it cut to Julian just kind of looking concerned after it showed all these people dying. Yeah. And, oh, afterwards, yeah. super hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it was just funny to me from like a production stamp before I saw the Julian being sad. Just the moment of like war kicks ass oh wait 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 no 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 go wait slow down, <laughs> slow down. Whoa, whoa. this kind of gets into a few things like the way he looked when he was waiting for them to surrender back off it was kind of like what how yang was when they first took over Isserlone, and you know the head commander guy would not stand down after being smacked with the hammer and uh mm -hmm. he was kind of hoping that wallen would stand down the other thing is that um I'm pretty sure at this point, I'm pretty sure he has an idea of who he's up against, but he, he's met Wallen in person. Yeah, that's what the narrator Earth. says, so that like he respected a, him. There's a, a respect going on, which Wallen doesn't know, you know, who Julian is, I guess you could say, but still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so hoping, I'm sure, that he didn't have to wipe him out. After uh, the victory, uh, Dusty is real pumped. He's like, we just kicked the Kaiser's shins. Um, people are on Azorhorn are happy about it. Only 400,000 people died. It was a small victory, the narrator says. <laughs> yeah, and the narrator even mentions, like, I think that might, you know, add a little highlight to how fucked up the world is right now, that 400,000 people dying. Is That's just like an like, editor's footnote. <laughs> yeah, like, fuck. <laughs> um, the narrator notes that it was a tactical and a moral victory, but they're wondering if it was strategically a victory for them, and only the future will tell. Uh, Boris obviously just watched all this, so he goes to the Galactic Empire at large to bring his propaganda machine, tells them the victory, you know, to all the ex-FPA people. Mm -hmm. um, Julian thinks that since he just had his first victory, that's going to be get another one until he dies, and it's kind of morbid like that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's not much else I think that happens in this episode. Catarose uh, talks to Julian; she's pumped about the win. Julian wonders where Fredica is. Uh, she went to go talk to Yang, I guess, saying that Julian did a good job or whatever. Um, and then, like, yeah, like, Dusty is kind of making fun of Shen Cop because Shen Cop really didn't do a ton on that one because it wasn't really his unit's mission. Uh, and then Shen Cop's just like, I'm waiting till the big game. That's right, baby, the Highness in bowl. Then I'm going to give a shit. And it's like, <laughs> all right. Yeah, Shen Cop's like, you're, the, you're just the fucking opening act, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan gets this news of like his fleet's losing. Um, Hilda immediately says, "Listen, you should send a diplomat before this gets crazy. Neither side wants a war in this situation." But Ryan says, "Listen, you can't parlay with a mosquito that bit you. It's war, baby." Um, 
the Galactic Emperor admirals are watching the post-game replay. Like they had, like I guess someone taking notes while this all happened. Um, they realized it was really both... weird how Admiral Madden came out of nowhere and started scribbling <laughs> everywhere with a yellow marker. <laughs> um, they think the Burkats and Julian did a good job, so they're like, wow, these guys, we actually have to respect them and all that. Yeah, uh, they lament the Burkats. One thing they mentioned on the tactics side that they couldn't really show in the battle very well, I guess, is just when they lit up one side with a Thor hammer and uh, Walling was closing in, he got blindsided by Murkats because, well, the fleet on the other side probably should have seen them coming in, but because they were so panicked about getting their asses kicked, they weren't able to warn Wallen. Yeah, like, so. like the Murkats fleet was hidden on the other side of the orb, uh, but it was, like, hidden behind some asteroids, so, it, yeah. Basically, it was, Wallen didn't realize that fleet was there, and he really should have. Uh, so, that's why the other dude got blown up, yeah. Uh, episode 103, this is the good one, I remember. Um, so, they were going to go fight on Izzlehorn, but then Ryan falls ill. Uh, episode 103 starts with him recovering from his fever, um... She Hildegard asks him to meet with his sister, and she eventually shows up. Um, I guess, like, seeing his sister is good for his health because he feels better and all that. Uh, I have a bunch of notes here of him of her talking with Hildegard, and it really doesn't all matter all that much. It's, it's <laughs> weird, too. Like, honestly, every time Anna Rose is involved now, it's just uncomfortable and awkward because Reinhardt and her are so fucking weird they're like estranged almost yeah yeah and it's also every time um mariendorf's just like i'm hilda's like i'm gonna go in the other room now <laughs> yeah, yeah like I she doesn't want to be around that when it's happening <laughs> yeah i i am with hilda on this one i wish the author had decided we also were in a different room <laughs> like just describing the curtains or something instead Sister, that's what brother. hilda's doing well i'm yeah, gonna hilda's go just have awkwardly, some coffee <laughs> yeah just awkwardly standing outside being like huh you know i wonder if we could repaint these walls like that kind of stuff because <laughs> Ooh, baby's kicking gotta go walk on. now bye Brother, I didn't leave you well, those three years ago. It may have seemed like it, but actually I was letting you become strong. I love you, brother. And it, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Hey, I just feel like, you know, black shades might be a little better if you want to have guests over for sleeping or something. Like, I would much rather have that conversation. Thank you. Feel <laughs> like card remodels her house. <laughs> just uh, this old house remodeling <laughs> just nervous remodeling what's the I most what's it. the most tactical curtain cup co- curtain coloring i don't know <laughs> is it like urban camo what is urban camo and pheasant gosh uh so reinhardt after all this stuff reinhardt orders oberstein the highness in the deal with the uh rebellions and put down the riots and all that um bittenfield is pissed at this because he has to work under oberstein um he says that Oberstein should live and die at the desk and not get his hands dirty and all that, but Mittenmeyer is getting his news. I guess Mittenmeyer was out on a spaceship looking after those new fortresses that were being built or whatever. Um, he says it's not the place his place to criticize Reinhardt, but he feels sorry for both Mittenfield and the people of New Land that they have to live under Oberstein now. Mm-hmm. Um Heinison at large gets the news that Izzlehorn beat Galactic Empire in a fight. Um, a lot of people are cheering in the streets using Yang's name. Um, Wallen has returned to Izzlehorn, or returned to Heinison, but has just kind of parked his fleet outside and is waiting because he knows that landing back during all these, uh, you know, cheering parades would be a bad idea and probably start more riots. Just gonna, yeah. He's just going to take a few laps around the block and wait for things to <laughs> die down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a quick scene of Frederica talking to Cataros. Uh, the scene is just saying they have a good relationship and that Cataros sees some of herself in Frederica and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a scene of Kazern wondering what Frederica is going to do about Yang's remains. Um, she says that like she wanted to bury him in Heinison. I guess they kept him in that tube that he's in, that like mausoleum tube for the last yeah. year. Uh, we get a scene of Miss Kazern continuing to be great. Uh, she's telling her kid to. <laughs> she tells so her like eight year old daughter that at some point in the future, when she meets a man, to tell this man, "I know what you did," just to yeah. psych well, out the guy. <laughs> yeah, like just to get it up her hand. Like just say, <laughs> "I know what you did," and then like you just win off that. That's that's a prophecy because you know he did something. <laughs> it's so good. 
Uh, Iselhorn gets news that Oberstein is on his way to Heinesen. Uh, Shenkop thinks he might have seen Oberstein in his youth, but is really just bullshitting and making crap up. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, I saw some asshole. That was probably Oberstein. I saw some fucking sad, some sad boy. Probably should have hit him. <laughs> like, <it's... laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Dusty, I think this is at their meeting that they're having about this news. Uh, Dusty asked what Julian would do if Oberstein were to forfeit Heinesen, just like leave. Um, because he knows that one, Oberstein is a shrewd operator and would do crazy shit like this. But like, it would be useful bait for getting them out of Heinesen because if he left Heinesen and the Galactic Empire just left the planet... Like, everybody would expect Izzelhorn to just show up and take it over and start running it. Yeah, they mm-hmm. do not have the manpower to do anything like that. So they could have very easily just said, oh, here's your free planet. And then they spread themselves thin and then... Yep. Squish them. Um, Popolon says that they should give the Galactic Empire the terrorist disc they found in exchange for Heinesen. Um, but Julian thinks that that's a terrible idea because they need better bargaining than just that disc. And then he, like, brings up that, like, he has what he's like, I have one victory now, but I'll need many more to persuade Reinhardt, like, kind of knowing that Reinhardt has a little bit of a war hard on, yeah. and that, like, he's going to need to kind of manipulate that, and part of manipulating that hard on, <laughs> as I have <laughs> successfully woven into this metaphor, uh, <laughs> is <laughs> just doing, doing more war better. Yeah. Yeah, You're saying that he needs to give him a handy. Of, uh, part of why uh, Julian went started up this whole offensive in the last episode is because he was mentioning you know they were kind of left alone for now is alone out of some kind of unwritten respect that reinhardt had for yang but the mm-hmm. further away it gets from that the less of an illusion there you know that uh, there's going to be a reinhardt just letting them do their own thing and so they have to stir shit up again and kind of prove hey you can't fuck with us and then bargain with that basically yeah it's kind of what like north korea does Anyway, uh, except it's a little more successful in this case, I I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Ryan's birthday, so Ryan's birthday happens. There's a big party, but he didn't go because he was sick. Instead, he got a painting from his sister or something. Doesn't matter. We cut the Rubinsky. He's on a bed. He's dying. He's looking really shitty. Yeah, Mister Mean is looking Mister Lean. (laughs) And Dominic is just like watching, still in a dress. By the way, like shout out to Dominic for never taking off her red dress. She just Uh, has cocktail dresses. That is all she wears. That's it. And fucking Rocket Girl. Uh, and, <laughs> she and she's good just sitting there. She's just sitting there sipping on a martini, watching him die, just kind of being like, hey, bitch. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's also, uh, she mentions here the uh, the navigation data being deleted was something that he pushed for. And I think it's at this point, he's wasting away. And he's even his plans that he's, you know, laying out are not really amounting to much. Because it's like, yeah. yes, I'll delete all their navigation data. Oh, no, they handled that. It was just kind of like, yeah, a, like it was like a hiccup. She kind of points you know? out that, yeah, that she's that he's kind of getting blown up by Oberstein like a bunch. And he's just kind of like, fuck, yeah. So, um, yeah, she berates him and says, are you really trying to fight him fairly or just trying to trip him up? History's going to judge you, etc." Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter too much because the best part of the episode is coming up. Oberstein has landed on Heinesen. Mm-hmm. Um, Bittenfield has got off the ship with him, and he's just straight up talking shit talk to Oberstein right behind him. Yeah, Oberstein Sir, is he literally, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, literally six feet behind him. And like he even mentions, he's like, it's the Bittenfield family way to praise people loudly and criticize them louder. And like <laughs> everyone's like, dude, shut the fuck up. And Oberstein just... Doesn't care no, he doesn't at all. Does not give a He's shit. He's basically it's... your boss now. Fuck off! So <laughs> Oberstein, taking no time, uh, goes right to Rutan's alt headquarters and starts cracking down on, quote, dangerous elements. Um, they rattle off a list of people he has arrested, including like Juan, Juan Louis, Mirai, Petra. Yeah, Any yeah. of the people that are still alive that you'd recognize as a character on this side. They're basically Yeah, anybody that was ex-FBA. Yeah, they didn't, mention, uh, they didn't mention All Citale. of Julian's friends. They didn't mention Citale, <laughs> but I'm sure he's rounded up as well. Yeah, yeah it's basically... Yeah, it's all of Yang and Julian's friends, basically, like, hand-picked. It's pretty good. They called it Oberstein's grass mowing. Um, So, in a great scene here, Bittenfield is talking with, well, it's after this one, but Bittenfield's talking with Mueller. Um, He's saying they should not be, Oberstein shouldn't be doing this because arresting everyone's going to get more shit started or whatever. But when Mm -hmm. Wallen finally gets back to Heinesen from driving his ship around the block three times, the three of them go to Oberstein, um... 
Oberstein tells Bittenfield straight up, make it succinct and logically so organized. Like, legitimately, because Bittenfield, like, comes up and is obviously pissy, and he's like, I've got some words for you. And Oberstein's just like, all right, I'm on a schedule, though, bitch, so if you could keep it tight, that would be pretty good. And, like, Bittenfield fucking, like, pops off so hard. Yeah, so Bittenfield's mad. He's like, there's rumors that you're rounding up people to use as hostages to get Isselhorn to surrender. Uh, Bitten's like, we have the size advantage, we have the fleet advantage, I don't want to believe you're doing backhanded shit. Oberstein's like, bloody fantasies of military romantics is useless. Um, yeah, we're like, doing this. Oberstein is being the best, because in this scene, to me at least, he is proving that he cares more about the state than anything else, and he is the purest form of the ends justify the means. And sometimes those means are b- bloody and shitty and awful and end with a bunch of people dying to nukes like it did earlier in the series but here we see him being like no whatever man i'll minorly inconvenience ten thousand people to keep like four million people alive the fuck's wrong with you bittenfield like he's pretty yeah. on bittenfield saying on hey the good side give of me this. an army i'll go in there and i will take over israel he's like oh hmm How's that worked out for you so far? How many people have died in this war? How many millions? I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry, of our people? <laughs> yeah, Bittenfield says that he could go take Isselhorn with 40,000 ships that they have. And Oberstein says, quote, I can't base strategy on the neloquence of someone who has no actual track record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just basically saying, like, yeah, you're real good at boasting. Shame about your ability to win Isselhorn, though, huh? <laughs> and, like, Bittenf- is this where Bittenfield jumps the desk? Yeah. yeah. Like kinda, he's kind of like, Bittenf- like, you don't have a good track or You don't have a track record. He's like, I have a track record. Yeah, not a very good Well, he one. <laughs> straight up, Oversight straight up says, he asks how the, uh, the three of them how many times they made Yang victorious. And while Mueller and... Uh, Who's the other one? Whalen could take that straight. Bittenfield jumps the desk and starts trying to choke him. Jumps the desk and like tackles him out of his chair and starts choking him. And the other two are just like, dude, and like run over the desk and pull him off. Yeah, so Overside gets up. uh, He says that Bitten is now on administrative leave and tells Mueller that he is in charge of the Black Lancers. Uh, Mueller says that they'll never obey anyone who isn't Bittenfield, to which Oberstein replies that they're part of the Galactic Empire force and they should be commanded by anyone who's qualified. Yeah. So like this he is, points out, he, this he's is just getting like, into something that comes into the next few episodes. I They do not say it in the anime, but I wonder if there is some mention of it in the source material that maybe the Black Lancers were like, this is just me guessing based off what happens, but I wonder if they were like, criminals or some shit because they seem incredibly loyal to somebody who basically pushes for suicide tactics and it seems like everybody's adamant that they won't listen to anybody but Bittenfield so I don't want to make a a parallel to the Rosen Ritters because it is kind of a parallel to the Rosen Ritters I mean it's not like (laughs) it's not as skillful and it's also not like noble it's not like escapees from yeah. you know the the tyranny of the old empire or whatever so i think it's, it's like, maybe it's, maybe where they put all the like the rejects like the washouts of the army that's that's a thing i was wondering about that but because of how they broke away from golden bomb they would have already smoothed everything out but there's just something they don't touch on as to why everybody who's under him loves him so damn much yeah especially yeah. when he is so suicidal but yeah and so yeah basically he's just being like hey that's not his private army that's actually part of the galactic empire military so if they don't want to follow galactic uh, empire military orders i guess we'll have to handle that as it comes now won't we so how about you go take care of that unit like i fucking told you to like <laughs> overstein is just man he's so good yeah, yeah. so Mueller says uh you're going against Ryan's intent Ryan sends us out here with our fleets the heinesen isn't that like you know saying that he wants to do a frontal assault and then Oberstein says, such prideful this has resulted in the deaths of millions in the Isleholm Corridor. If they had did the hostage-taking thing two years ago when Gain originally left Tynason, then those men would still be alive. Um, the Empire yeah. isn't the Kaiser's private property, and the fleet isn't his private force. Yeah, and basically just straight up saying, like... Look, man, I get it. Reinhardt wants to go get his war boner on or whatever, but I care more about the people, actually. Like, it's an amazing moment of straight up just Oberstein saying straight to someone's fucking face, like, I don't care if the Emperor is a little sad for the day. It's millions of lives, you fucks. The the Emperor (laughs) is not doing good. (laughs) Yeah, he says, is is there a law that says the Kaiser can meaninglessly sacrifice lives of soldiers for his own pride? Because if so, it wouldn't be any different than the Golden Bomb dynasty. 
And so we got a cut of uh, Ferner, who's the guy who I always forget the gray hair that's on overlines mm-hmm. on their side. He's, he's like, Oberstein is technically correct, which is the best type of correct. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he notes that since he casually dissed Ryan using his name and then uh, used his name immediately to bolster his you know situation, it's kind of a little bit of hypocrisy there. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the whole scene time, was just, just Overstein owning them. Yeah, and it's Overstein kind of doing the whole just like be like it almost feels like Overstein just being like grow up to all three of them. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Like they're like, oh, we got to go win our war and get our pride back. And Overstein's like, fuck you, you need your pride back. Those are people dying, you fucks. Yeah, and this it's is just... this is basically <sighs> the first major time of the series that I guess you could say um, Overstein's been given the car keys, so to speak. He's usually been yeah. in a position where he would not be able to do this sort of stuff, and now he's able to. He's kind of like oh finally christ yeah and like the thing is they, they make mention of it that like Oberstein. it, it almost seems like Oberstein is like the, a more perfect leader than reinhardt but he can never be the figurehead of the he thing. doesn't have like the hum- humanist aspect to him like yeah he, exactly he has no charisma he is negative charisma in body <laughs> Yeah, like that is he rolled on a D twenty. He rolled a negative three on charisma. So like, <laughs> and, and, not and his response was good enough. Good, yeah, Sufficient. that'll do. Uh, and they mentioned that. that just like a lot of people, like even though he is doing the right thing every time, no matter how bad it feels, like people know he's right in like all of his choices and he's got airtight arguments for everything and it turns out that just sometimes is really frustrating you've got the lowest charisma you can't be a bard too bad (laughs) well i've got a song for you bitch it's called not killing a million people if that's cool like god yeah the new kanye single (laughs) (laughs) okay uh episode 104 uh reinhardt is chilling in bed he just woke up with uh um What's her name? Hildegard. He got news of what Oberstein's doing. Um, He asks Hilda what to do, but she says, you first. Uh, Reinhardt Mm -hmm. feels some responsibility because he sent him out there, but he didn't really think Oberstein would go as Machiavellian as hard as he would as fast as he did. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, I knew knew Bittenfeld hated him, but well, not not this much. (laughs) Yeah. In a moment of uh, kind of interesting self-reflection he feels that he would have been embarrassed if oberstein had told about his plan to him like he would have felt embarrassed if oberstein said do you really think that killing millions of people for your honor is a good idea yeah it's pretty much he um, wouldn't have had a good answer basically yeah. if he asked him that to his mm-hmm. face uh he says that like we've just been saying above all else oberstein is a public official and the people hate him for that um he muses yeah and i think this is where they say what what is the line it's like He's like a tablet with a perfect answer in the middle of an Arctic storm or something. Yeah, They're it's just like, like, it's like nobody's going to go up there to check it, but you know, it's right. It, it's there. It's right. And yeah, no one wants to check it. And also there's just nothing else. It's just a single answer and you know, it's right. And that kind of sucks. And there's no padding. Yeah, yeah. That was a it's really just... good um, fancy analogy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, the analogy I had written down is uh, Oberstein is powerful medicine that will eradicate the illness but leave side effects. Oberstein yeah. is not meant for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Consult your doctor <laughs> and, if you're Machiavellian. And, and I, I think she even mentions, like, after she says that, she's like, was that was that Rutenthal who said that or Mecklinger or one of them? <laughs> <laughs> so it's Mecklinger. <laughs> he yeah. has a way with words. Mecklinger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reinhardt is thinking that uh, any organization needs someone who thinks outside the box like this, and Oberstein fills that role, but he wonders if Yang was there, like, would he have taken the position and done the same thing? Um, mm-hmm. I feel that Yang probably would have been a bit nicer about it, but Reinhardt is thinking that he has to go to Heineson to sort it all out, the surrender deal thing, since Oberstein has kind of made a mess of it. Um, Hildegard says that since Reinhardt and Yang were originally going to have peace talks before, why don't you just do that now with this sort of precedent? Um, they could get negotiations to normalize relationships, and if that goes south, still do their attacking if they feel like it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Reinhardt notes that uh, he's just following the road that Oversight has paved. Um, he doesn't like him as a person, but in reflection, he's probably followed his orders more than anyone else. 
Which I think is one of my favorite endorsements of how good Oberstein is at this. Because, like, literally, I think the words he uses is, I have never liked Oberstein as a person. <laughs> like, just immediately, he's like, he's a trash man. I hate him. Literally always right, though. Fucking sucks. <laughs> and, yeah, says, like, he says, yeah, I, I have probably followed his advice the most in retrospect. Like, looking back, Oberstein made most of the choices, huh? <laughs> he also uses that he wonders if Oberstein will overthrow him if his existence is bad for the country. Like, that's how single-minded he is on that. Which, again, I really like that it's really come in full circle that, like, no, Oberstein, like, legitimately just cares about the country more than anything. It's really surprise, <laughs> the one true patriot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the true patriot is the guy up. you think was going to backstab him in episode 10. Yeah. In episode the prologue, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's like the first time you see movie. him, you're like, okay, this dude is going to backstab somebody so bad. And it's like, and like episode 105, biggest patriot. Who would have thought, huh? Yeah, like, he, he really does present himself as, like, going to be number one traitor man of all time. And then, sure enough... Uh, you know, fuck it. <laughs> Just know he's actually the best guy. Piss. <laughs> How about that? Your predictions were um, inaccurate. So yeah. rumors get out on Heineson regarding the Oberstein and uh, Bittenfield fight. Uh, Boris and co are on the planet wondering uh, what the implications are to Iselhorn of these people. You know, two high admirals in the army fighting each other. Uh, Wallen and Mueller, in the meantime, being the level-headed people they are, are trying to get things under control. The Black Lancers obviously hate Oberstein and are up to dumb shit because that's all they do uh they wanted a meeting with oberstein the black lancers but oberstein said no he's too busy so they go to wallen and complain instead wallen's like listen dude he also turned me down i don't know what to tell you um they call for reinhardt and mittmeyer for help but um they tell the black lancers not to do anything stupid in the meantime in the meantime, they continue to try to do dumb, stupid shit like yelling at Wallen some more, but he brings up Rutan's Rebellion and is like, listen, you don't want to end up like that guy, straighten up. Uh, later on in the week or something, some of Bittenfield's underlings go out drinking and start talking shit to some MPs who are obviously under Oberstein's rule. Uh, a fight breaks also, out. They, also, they mentioned that, like, Oberstein, like, restricted alcohol or something. Like, that was I mean, I guess if laws. you're on duty, you're not supposed to drink. I don't know if that's particularly... That's yeah, I don't know if it was just... For, I'm guessing it was just for soldiers was the idea. Yeah. But yeah, like he, he kind of just is like, hey man, you can't do that. <laughs> like, you know it. So a fight breaks out between the uh, Black Lancers and the MP. It turns into a full riot. Wellens at his desk, he gets news of this, and he's like, god damn it, you fucking idiots. He goes out and deals with it by driving an armored vehicle up to the place where the Black Lancers have barricaded themselves with the MP on the other side, and he just kind of sits there on top of his tank, looking at them like an angry father who is disappointed. Yeah, and, like, he just puts his gun in his lap and just sits there and looks at them out of the top of an APC. And literally, like, the narrator even mentions, he's like, yeah, we still can't believe that worked. <laughs> it's, it's fucked up, actually. That dude's that dude's got a fucking powerful aura. <laughs> like, so, in the meantime, uh, Mueller has gone to Overstein to ask for him to release Bittenfield to calm down his forces. Oberstein states that he is obviously 100% correct within the law, and then he can continue to do shit like this. It's an act of rebellion. Uh, Mueller's like, okay, fine, let me, I'll go talk to Bittenfield and see if he can get him to apologize. Uh, we've seen a Bittenfield yelling at the MP about Oberstein because Bittenfield's just angry. The guy was giving him sandwiches. I don't know what I fucking put that note there for. Um, the guy yeah, just walks in to just... give him snacks and he's like hey is your boss dead what is your boss dead no no because i've been yelling curses at him and he ain't dead yet weird huh <laughs> oh, that's Sir, what i'm just here to give you sandwiches yeah like legit he's just like oh i spent all last night cursing him that's a shame that he's not fucking dead yet <laughs> the guy's like... like sir i just got transferred here three days ago i don't uh, Go back out in the hallway. I'm actually an intern. This is for college credit. So, like, I'm gonna yeah, go. The, work college, the only college. <laughs> the only college in this universe, yeah. Because you keep wanting to fight wars. So, Mueller goes in and visits Vittenfield. Uh, Vittenfield says the room's tapped, and well, my future is, you know, already determined. You should probably be careful about what you say or whatever. Mueller's um, like, listen, you should really apologize for punching your boss. I know he makes you angry, but that's some, not something you can do. 
And uh, Bittenfield thinks that uh, Oberstein is calling Izzelhorn's leadership to Heineson to have them kill along the way, much like he wanted to do earlier. And he thinks that's dishonorable and, and like, all that. And pretend that it's the terrorists doing it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bittenfield himself clarifies that he does not give a shit about anyone in Izzelhorn, but he doesn't want Oberstein like, scoring political points for Reinhardt being dishonorable like that. Plus, uh, Bittenfeld really wants a big, huge, scenic battle, and that would kind of rob him of that. So that's kind of the main that's thing. That's true, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mueller eventually gets through to him, though, saying that, like, listen, your shit is causing Reinhardt to stress out. We don't need that because he's already looking kind of shitty, so don't do it. And so Bittenfield decides he will apologize. Um, Iselhorn gets news of what Oberstein has been doing because uh, Oberstein doesn't care about censoring any of it. <laughs> Yeah, what I love is that the way they present this, too, is, like, a couple episodes ago, they made another point of, like, oh, yeah, all the news comes through these, like, smuggling dudes, basically. Like, that's how they get their information. Yeah. And this one, they're like, yeah, no, they didn't have to do that. Oberstein fucking put it on the news himself. He fucking made a statement about how cool he thought it was. <laughs> like, he doesn't, he doesn't actually give a fuck. <laughs> so they get the news. They wonder what they're going to do regarding the hostages situation. Um Shenkot tells Julian that it wouldn't be on his conscious or record if Oberstein kills those people. Like, listen, I mean, that's Oberstein's doing, not yours, all that. He says that he kind of mused over the fact that some of these ex-FPA politicians should have known it was coming after talking about their lofty talks of, you know, being Democrats and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shenkop also notes that, like, in fighting this situation, their biggest ally may be actually Reinhardt because they know that Reinhardt is more honorable than Overstein is and well, wouldn't go for this. They kind of want to play him on his pride yeah. is the other thing they mentioned. Like they're, they really are just trying to game him a little bit. Yeah. If we're being honest, like he's just kind of like, yep, uh, we, we need to play to his pride so that he makes Overstein stop it or else Overstein wins. Yeah. <laughs> like, but Julian knows that like, although Reinhardt would never go in for Overstein's hostage plan, he also knows that he can't rely on his pride in that respect because it'd be like relying on his mercy. Um, they want to solve the situation yeah. on their own terms and not rely on Reinhardt to do it. Um, the actual, the narrator notes that there's a bit of a time skip, but they do get the official declaration from Oberstein saying, hey, surrender or these hostages get it. Um, or like show up for negotiations, yeah, show, yeah. I think is the thing. Yeah, like come over here, then we'll talk about it. Yeah, so Julian makes the final decision that says, listen, we're going to have to go. We're fan just kind of forced here. Um, Julian says that they can uh, ask for a Galactic Empire escort to prevent terrorist attacks um, because obviously they can't bring their own army because that would leave Islamore defenseless and also look bad. So they mm-hmm. think that, you know, Mueller is a good, honorable dude. We've met with him in the past. Let's ask for him to escort us. So they debate on who should go, but I'm just going to say that uh, Shenka, Popolon, Frederica, Julian, and Dusty are going to Murkatz because they're staying behind because they are the boring ones. The adults. They left the adults behind is what it is. Let's be real. They left yeah. Meerkats, who is, by the way, I think in these last five episodes, Meerkats has had exactly one face model. And that's it. <laughs> like, they have used the exact same face drawing for all of his experience. Like, he's always just a little bit in the background off to the side. And they just, like, it literally looks like it's the same cell just, like, slid into random places. Just like, oh, shit, right, right, right. I forgot. He's supposed to be in this scene. One sec, hold up. Let me just overlay the cells. Okay, we're good. Like, it's it's great. Because even when they, like, show, like, oh, he made this brilliant, you know, flanking attack or whatever, they just cut to a still image of the bridge with him just standing with his hands behind his back making that same fucking face. Yeah, it's the Charles Bronson, good. yeah. <laughs> just has one face. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's it for those episodes. Um, I think for the purpose of both, uh, I don't know, making the podcast run smoother and for having our own viewing of it, I think we're going to watch episodes uh, 105 through 109 next, should be four episodes, and then keep the last two for the last podcast, because I think it breaks up the okay, narrative so better. How, how many is that? That's So 105 to 109 five. is next time, which is four episodes. Uh, are you sure? One second. 105, 106, 107, oh, I am bad. That's five episodes. That's five episodes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll do those. And then uh, 109 and 110 at the end. Okay, so we're just going to do the regular and then the final yeah, one will actually yeah, I'm just sorry. be the I can count. episodes. I got good with numbers. Okay, that's fine. I've done it wrong literally on <laughs> recording in the podcast at least three times. So <laughs> I think no Boxer. worries there. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, man, what a bunch of episodes. Like, holy shit, can we just, can we take a second to just really appreciate Oberstein and how, <laughs> like, every time he's on screen, my opinion on the author improves? <laughs> like, it is wild how much I, I love I mean, this like, in terms of, he's really just the Machiavelli, the prince, but the way he applies it to the confines of what's happening in the story is real interesting, and the author did a good job on that. Yeah, just the fact that he, he sticks to it as hard as possible. Like, yeah, he is just Machiavellian, the prince, but seeing that as a pure character is wild. And I do like that they kind of, like, intentionally drew him to look like this very, you know, kind of dour. evil dude. Very dour yeah. as well. Yeah, like, he's not a, a leader that's very charismatic and bright. And, you know, they mentioned, you know, like, a big part of Machiavellianism is, you know, better to be feared than loved. But in his case, it's really more hated than loved, really. Like, he's not really feared. That's not what he does. That's not his thing. So, yeah, I really like this angle on it. And the fact that it's not that he's, you know, dour and all that, you know, fucking gray cape-ass motherfucker. I still can't believe that, that they gave him a gray cape. <laughs> when, like, Mittenmeyer had, like, a bright red one, and Ruth all had his bright blue one, and then just, like, mine is depressing clouds gray it's my favorite color it really flatters my my eyes also i just looked in the folder of the uh, files that i have here it was four episodes five six seven and eight nine and ten are from okay. last time we can count we're good okay cool cool <laughs> uh any, anything else you want to say before we we close this out regarding oberstein <laughs> only no other points of conversation just oberstein now commencing <laughs> moment of appreciation for paul oberstein Moment, oh, I forgot moment that has his passed. Name is Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Space anime. Mm-hmm.